0: Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, WeatherTech, Hum by Verizon, RockAuto.com, Farm, and Autotempest.com. Here's
1: your MotorWeek podcast host, Brian Robinson.
2: Hello and welcome to podcast number 181. My apologies for those of you expecting John Davis. Uh, you got the B-team with you today uh, around the table here, not from the B-team, but we're very honored to have a special uh, guest today, our executive producer and head writer, David Scrivener. Rare appearance, yes. Uh road test producer, Ben Davis. Hello. Online content coordinator, Greg Carlos. Hey, hey. And the podcast producer and uh, the man with all the rules, Joe Lago. Hi. <laughs> and fun uh killer.
3: The fun police, that's uh, me. Fun right.
2: police. So we'll do the uh, normal uh, road test uh, recaps and lightning rounds and viewer questions, all that good stuff. Uh, so, Dave, you've just recently driven the Alfa Romeo Stelvio Quadrifoglio.
0: Quadrifoglio. We had a nice chance to drive out on the track at Austin at Circuit of Americas. So I had my first time driving that track, and I liked it a lot. The, um, the car on the track is great on the street. It's a little stiff for me. If I was maybe 20 years younger, I wouldn't mind the hard seats, but um, it sounds awesome. Are those seats real carbon fiber? I saw, yeah. like, the footage. You know? carbon fiber sports seats. You know, of the bunch of those, they now have the, the Jags coming out with one. There's a Durango SRT, the Jeep Trackhawk. Um,
2: well, after I have th- seen the AMG stuff. Uh,
0: yeah, right. I'd, I think I'd go for that Durango SRT. Still a bunch of them.
2: Durango SRT?
0: Save, save about 20 grand and lose about 15, 20 horsepower, but... And better seats,
2: more comfortable. And Better
0: seats for an old guy like me. <laughs> but the Stelvio sounds great and it really is a rocket ship on the track and handles well. It's like a, an overgrown Julia.
2: Correct. It's almost like a Julia hatchback, yeah. you know, because it's more, a lot more car like. Um, all wheel drive, though, right? Mm-hmm. Which you can't get an all wheel drive. Still, a uh, Julia Quadrifolio. No, you cannot.
3: Yeah. Right. right. All wheel so, drive only comes under the Julia TI. Which is the four-cylinder, right. but the quadrifolio doesn't. You can only have get it.
2: rear-wheel drive, correct? Yeah.
0: I assume that Jag F Pace F- SVR will have all-wheel drive, and Maserati yeah. has the Levante Trofeo coming out with 590 horsepower, which is pretty, pretty
2: stout. You are full of high-performance SUV. I knowledge. love them, man.
0: <laughs> so, but is it worth 80 grand? Like,
3: I, I was editing the quick spin video for it. I'm like, this is it's cool. Worth is what you'll, what you'll I... pay
0: for it, pal. Yeah, there's, there's a butt for every seat. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: I guess every,
3: every
0: wallet. So. That's why they make more than one car.
3: I mean, what's, like, a base uh, Stelvio go for?
2: Uh, I would imagine 50, probably? Yeah, something yeah.
0: yeah. huh. All righty, then. Uh, I guess if you love Alphas, Ooh, that's the way. Right,
1: man.
2: I, you can I cool mean, it, it
0: just trailer. has more cachet than a Jeep. Well, in The right. Jeep's more powerful. It's just so over-the-top all the time. I'm
2: sure I can... just Tell us about the track, because I haven't driven on that track. I think everyone I know I've has been driven, driven on
4: I've been driven on it in it, yeah. a Bentley, uh, a <laughs> I think, of all things. Or, <laughs> that was, I dear. forget which one it was. But it was it,
0: nice being able to follow someone. I, I couldn't quite get the hang of the track in the few number of track. laps we had yeah. to figure out, okay, which corner is next and where does it go? There's some blind stuff, and you're like, oh, crap, that was left, not right. Yeah. Yeah. So following someone helps a lot to learn it quickly.
4: It's a pretty track.
0: Pretty track. Uh, good high-speed corners and some you know, high-speed straights and things. But, you
4: know. Yeah. Right on. All right. Yeah, right on. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Also,
2: Dave. Um, also,
0: Dave. Also a track
2: With a Porsche 911 <laughs> GT3 nice RS.
0: RS. Uh, that, when we just got back from, uh, like, two weeks ago, it was at the Nürburgring's... Um, Sprint course, which is their stadium course, the, uh, the the main track was open to the public that day, and there was literally everybody and their brother out there with every kind of car you can imagine. So nice. they're like so I'm dark, glad we like had a track to ourselves. <laughs> That's exactly what you
4: see on all the YouTube videos. Yeah. There's you
0: know, guys on bikes two up with uh, passing the Fiat Pandas. And it's like, oh, God, man. Mm. So there's like, like delivery here. trucks on there? <laughs> delivery vans, Toyota limousines, just you name it. I haven't seen any buses, but I've heard buses go out there, too. Um, but the the GT3 RS is, you know, pretty much as close as you can get to a race car in a 911 in a street car, you know, except for the, the mandated exhaust emissions and the tune-the-intake for, for low-end torque and stuff. Um, it could be the race car. The, um,
2: they doubled the amount of downforce, right? Yeah, they put NACA ducts. Yeah. They,
0: they described in detail how a NACA duct works. There, it's a prescribed shape. NACA ducts are always in the same shape. I didn't know this, but.
2: That's why they're called naca ducts. Naca ducts, because right. it's not you know naca Generic plus ducts. two or
0: you know, right. whatever. Um, so it it uh, channels air down through, also cools the brakes and adds a bunch of downforce for better turning grip and throughout the corners and stuff. And
4: uh, so how, the much, n- how much power do those decals down the side add? Oh, because they're they pretty gaudy. <laughs> it, I, the I'd you, have the, you, that, that's an option, right? You yeah, got to be able to be get rid option. of those. The, the bigger
3: the <laughs> bigger the letters. The Vissock package adds
0: the carbon fiber hood and things and a little more aggressive stuff. Now, how is this different than the the GT3 we had at Robling? It's 20 more horsepower and more downforce.
4: Um, PDK only.
0: PDK only. We had a stick shift at Robling, right? No, but I drove the stick shift yeah, okay. in Spain. Okay.
4: But you can get that in a GT3 standard. Okay. But the
0: RS gets rid of the, the stick shift. And it takes, it's some, like, weight, takes know, some weight two-tenths out. Two-tenths of a well. second faster than the regular yeah. GT3, which is, wow, <laughs> I beat you by a car length, dude. <laughs>
2: So would would you rather have that? We have a 911 Turbo Cabrio, uh, Turbo S Cabrio, on right now for like the same price. Which would you rather have? I'd take
0: the the GT3 RS, really? I like a yeah. Cabrio, and a Porsche. It just reminds me of someone's kept woman. drive <laughs> 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 fast. I
2: don't get the PG13
1: right. rating on this one. Oh <laughs> dear.
4: <laughs> Any other uh, GT3 comments? Well, like oh. well, you drove the GT2 RS too. I did, and I like followed
0: the, one of those on the track of Nürburgring this time. They had lead follow. And yeah, and obviously you hit that's the main straight, and the guy just disappeared from me with 200 more horsepower. Well, Where did he so go? So,
3: what's the d- engine difference in a two versus a three? Is
0: uh, it's a, thanks it's for a four. Question four part. liter. Sorry. <laughs> the four liter in the GT3 RS, and I think the GT2 RS. Naturally yeah. Is the smaller engine, but turboed with 700 horsepower. Yeah. And so, it's just it shows the top end it how, just went away from
4: me. I guess my question would be, and I would probably answer it one way, but how do you choose between those two? I mean, like why? Like who's the who's the GT2 RS4 and who's the GT3 RS4 or GT3? Yeah, I mean, yeah, Porsche like,
0: has 24 varieties of 911, yeah. roughly. And you can tailor it to any skill level, any, any purpose, like street driving, track driving, full-out racing, track day. Um, I guess the, the Porsche dealership would kind of guide you through what are you going to do with the car. How good can you drive? And you, and you have talent or just money? How much money do you have? Yeah. Uh, yeah. What could you afford?
4: GT2. Uh, GT2 RS. We were, we were the chasing talent. the
0: 918 spider on the track. It's comparable to that, you know, except for top end, I guess. Um, GT2 is a real handful. It requires some real skill to drive it at the limit. The 3RS is a bit more forgiving.
4: Having not driven the GT2, I'd have to imagine that you get into a GT3 or probably even a GT3RS because you more or less like... Driving a car, more of an experience of the nine thousand RPM red yeah. line. It's and a it's naturally like you're aspirated driving the car. You're not
0: hanging on for dear life, right. would be The, the torque's
4: not going to destroy you. Um, yeah. It's yeah. only but got three hundred forty-five pound
0: feet. bite you in a heart. I yeah. one on the ring, but yeah, I blame the ring. Well, <clears> it happens.
2: But <laughs> <laughs> well, like you say, there's so many different 911s and you can add so many options to whichever one you buy. You can, you can come up with your own concoction, virtually any, any combination. You yeah, want. they'll. Plus, Porsche loves to yeah, sell you options. The 2 RS is, right? is
0: a pretty hairy beast. It's mm-hmm. you know, pretty serious driving there. love to have one, but I mm, <laughs> don't know where I'd use
4: it. I'll be lucky <laughs> if I can get a Cayman. Right. <laughs> throw wrong with that? That's
0: my yeah. old Jeep. Thanks. <laughs> I'll just drive your
4: guys.
2: <laughs> well, moving on to something even more exciting, if you could mm-hmm. imagine yeah. it. Uh, currently, uh, those of you that watch the show know that we have a long-term fleet of cars that we keep for about a year's worth of time and report on them throughout the year. Currently, we have four of uh, such vehicles in our fleet. We have a Kia Nero hybrid. We have a Volkswagen Beetle Coast convertible. And we have a Honda Odyssey and a Subaru Crosstrek. So we thought we'd take some time and just, uh kind of run down what our experience has been uh, like with these cars, what we like about them, what we don't like, uh, who's ready to uh, I'll jump, jump in. in. Jump in, Joe. Go for the, it,
3: Joe. I'll start uh, just because it's first on the sheet. The <coughs> Kia Nero. after winter ended, our mileage, miles per gallon, definitely went up. That was something we talked about on a previous podcast, cold weather making the hybrid system a little bit less efficient. It's up to 42.5-ish right now. Uh, the thing that impresses me about it is the – just the amount of features. I'd hate to see the window sticker, but the amount of features Kia has in that, the heated seats, cooled seats, heated wheel. Wireless phone charger. Yeah, wireless phone. So you don't really expect that kind of stuff, and then you get totally, like, become a spoiled automotive journalist, and you get in, like, another car, and you're like, oh, this doesn't have cooled seats, you know. But, so, (laughs) it's not fast, but, you know, if you've got a long way to go and you don't really care... It's a great little car to be in because it's got enough features to keep you comfortable, and you know you're not spending a lot on gas, but don't yes. try and race anyone
2: I said before it's kind of grown on me since we've had it here. I wasn't uh real impressed with it when we first got it, but it's grown on me some. one thing I get frustrated with is you know every hybrid car always has some type of display that lets you know which where power's coming from the battery for the engine or a combination of the both and the the display in it, if you watch it, and even the e v logo and the gauge panel is extremely optimistic. Like, you're driving in the EV mode, and you hear the gas engine kick on, and it's running, (laughs) and the EV light stays on for, like, a good couple seconds. You're like, you're lying to me. Right, yeah. So (laughs) it's giving people not a proper picture. Other hybrids we've had, like the Camry hybrid we just had on, it was, like, immediately. As soon as the gas engine kicked on, the light went out. Here, I don't know if it's just bad programming or if they're trying to fool you into uh, thinking you're getting a little more... EV range,
4: I'm not sure. It wouldn't be a good job fooling those. you got to be able to hear it. <laughs> the game. So, right, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll take the Odyssey because I actually do take that a lot. The, I love minivans. That's, uh, <laughs> You've been doing that's, home improvement no stuff too, have Yeah, I just, yeah, just built a fence, so I've been hauling some lumber. And uh, oh, I right. got 22 8-foot by 4s in that Odyssey without much of a problem. A ton of pickets and things like that are just uh, – there's certain things that i don't love about it, and it 's just mostly the infotainment system because that hates me too yeah it's wow. it's it's pretty looking and it's modern looking but the is just not there, but the functionality of the van is just awesome, so and it still drives great the ten speeds still holding up pretty well for the most part uh sometimes you can feel it lag a little bit, but we've noticed it much worse with a lot of other high gear transmissions that we've had so yeah i'm still digging the odyssey one well i have a one gripe on
1: it it's got a sport mode button in the transmission but when you touch mm. it the only it does it it's green when you put it in the drive and it's green when you tap it into sport the only way you know you're in sport mode is there's an s right. on the vaguely on the dash somewhere on the gauge cluster it shows up mm. but you could easily put it in sport and not know that you're in there until you're Actually saying, hey, this is way more revs than I should be having casuals. Mm-hmm. Well, it requires yeah. hitting yeah. the drive
2: twice, though. Yeah, but that's super
1: know. easy to do, Jesus. especially when it doesn't change colors when you touch it and they got all kinds of stuff there. It's really not that hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, your kid could reach over and do it. You wouldn't even know, you know, unless you're super aware of that S in the, in the dash. Other than that, yeah, it's mildly gripe. And it doesn't seem like the armrest is going down far enough. You're, yeah, I've noticed that, too. It used to, but it doesn't anymore. Mm. <laughs> it's it's odd. Yeah, it's a little high in its lowest setting. But moving on to the Beetle. I, say, oh, I knew, knew you'd be Mr. Go VW. Mr. VW here is going to bring it up. I love that car. The stereo is insane. The seats are super comfortable. But I find myself having that in the sport mode selection as well for the uh, gears to hit. On purpose or right. accidentally? Yeah, All right, yeah. yeah the hmm. default drive seems a little tame for me. Uh, especially off of starts, it seems to have a, a little bit of turbo hesitation in there so i just keep it in sport the whole time you do like that what's, what's i do it? there's a little bit of there's a lot of glare on the um, tft screen when the top's down mm. you can't see it at all hardly most of the time so they just put a little finish on that to reduce glare or upgrade it to the new system that we've seen a lot of stuff right yeah that
3: like would we have a golf in
1: that has the yeah, think, newest system I think in it Beatles. On the cut and,
2: yeah, and block, so I don't think, so. So be doing I don't that think that it's going to happen. Yeah, they've
1: already announced they stopped production on that. Pretty car. Nice package in the coast. I like it.
2: Hmm. I'll jump in on the cross track unless anyone has any other beetle comments. Nope, I've, I've driven that uh, a lot uh, just the last couple of days. Half the time I'm driving the car, I don't even feel like I'm driving the car because that thing, it's got the... I guess, steering to keep you in the lane, but it is way proactive. I mean... The cross track? Like, who's yeah. driving
1: here, me or you? I turn that off, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's like yanking the wheel on you all the time, and like, and then it flashes off because it feels like you're not paying attention. I don't know if I keep a too
4: light of a touch on the wheel or what. I'm but, surprised you keep that system on. I almost... Turn it off on pretty much everything I get into now because immediately I I realize we're supposed to test these things and I do. I will say I give it a chance, but it doesn't stay on even if it works well. If it works, even if it's the best system out there, I Uh still turn it off because I just can't stand it. Don't want to drive the car myself.
1: And that Crosstrek, though, once you turn it off, it doesn't come back on every time you turn the car on, does it? I I haven't driven it enough. The
4: Crosstrek
3: has the, the. what is it? The warning and the actual assist. So the right. warning just beeps at you, and I, I turn mm-hmm. that off. But the one that actually does a little bit of the steering, depending on the car, I'll leave that on. I don't. Uh, we had a Pacifica that had that, and I actually kind of liked the Chrysler system. It was a little less intrusive, I thought. But mm-hmm. but I drove I drove the Cross I think maybe once or twice, and it was like right after we got rid of the last Cross we had. And it's interesting. You don't often get to compare an old car directly to a new one, and. You know, all the different things that should have been made better were better. And, and the, the my biggest gripe was those teeny tiny little radio knobs were replaced with like ones that are big enough you can actually use
1: them now. But uh, The weird thing with cross tracks is, and we've had quite a bit of them lately, some I can't get comfortable in at all. And then some I jump in and I'm comfortable right away and it stays that way. Mm. It's like and this de- is <laughs> one of the comfortable ones to me for whatever reason. Hmm. I now, I there, on on the view. last one we had, Could in be. the
2: 17... Everyone complained about, like, borderline unsafely underpowered It That was us. my – I think that was my comment. <laughs> was this one's has got like yeah. – it's yeah. not dangerously much. Under- but, I mean, but This one's got a couple more horsepower. Not much. I mean, is it the same deal? I mean,
4: yeah, I much. still feel the same way about it. It's, it's just, left in a busy yeah.
0: intersection is
2: flort and praying. Yeah, you yeah. really have to the know what, what their car <laughs> can do.
3: I, I will say it does seem like the mapping for the throttle is maybe a little more aggressive. I don't think the car is, like, any faster. I just think maybe the throttle is – with the pedal, a more responsive, perhaps it does yeah. have a few more horsepower, yeah.
4: yeah. So, hmm. and it's and better than the one, it's definitely better than the 2017. We was it was a 16 that we had 17, yeah. I would say it's like Joe said, pretty much everything about it is better. It looks better, it, the inside is more comfortable, but a, pretty color, <laughs> as a, uh, Dave has mentioned before off camera.
3: A 2.0T model, a turbo model, would be a nice addition, though. I think, use the same engine that's in the regular WRX, not the SDI, I think that would be a nice... 264 horsepower. Yeah, I think that would be a nice touch, and I think they'd sell plenty of them. Even I mean, if it, it was detuned a little bit. It's gotten right.
2: bigger as well. <laughs> I parked it next to a Forester over the weekend, and it's like almost as big as a Forester. <laughs> it's I, long. I guess there's no Forester coming out, so I guess that'll change
1: that. That'll thing. get bigger, too. Probably. That is the new shape. I mean, it's just going to be a bunch of people competing against that. Mm-hmm. Across the board, apparently, right? Yeah, you got... Focus active, focus active. Yeah, which Dave's trying to segue us into our next section here. I think I'll let Dave segue because somebody just ruined that. (laughs) Like last time, we need John. I was
2: trying to jump in there, Dave, but everyone (laughs) kept talking. So, um, anyway, what Dave was alluding to is our lightning round question, which uh, is a long one. So bear with me. Don't uh, turn us off just yet. Looks like I'll be using my thirty seconds just to read through this thing. Ford CEO Jim Hackett recently announced the company will not invest in next generations of traditional Ford sedans for North America, meaning there will be no next-gen Fiesta, Fusion, or Taurus for the U.S. market. Ford will focus on trucks, SUVs, and crossover, while the future car lineup will only include the Mustang and Ford Focus Active, uh, which is a raised focus similar to the Crosstrek. So, we've talked about how smaller automakers like Mitsubishi and even Fiat Chrysler America have stopped building sedans in favor of crossovers, but what are your reactions to a larger automaker like Ford doing it, Dave?
0: I think it makes perfect business sense for Ford to say, you know what, our highest profit vehicles are the trucks, light trucks, i let's stick with those. I guess you can compare sales numbers from sedans to SUVs and crossovers and... What's selling the best? If it's, who's going to miss the, um, the the Fiesta or Fusion or Taurus sedan? Really, amongst our enthusiast friends here, anybody going to miss those?
1: Just the you know
0: the high the, performance models.
2: Yeah, I like the Taurus SHO for sure, and the Fiesta ST. Yeah. yeah. Well, those, those are hatches. Focus RS. Yeah, I don't what,
0: see what size the company is if it makes
1: business sense.
0: Hey, your <laughs> time is up, Dave. We'll move <laughs> on, on to uh, Ben yeah, Davis.
2: See you. <laughs> that's
1: embarrassing. The gong show. Yeah, I, mean, I agree with Dave. It makes sense. And uh, it's not like these – I mean, these cars are still going to be available uh, other places in on the world. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if in the back pocket they're always making modifications to keep them legal in the U.S., so they could easily bring them back if – because trends change, let's face it. If trends change, they could easily bring them back if they had to, I'm sure.
2: Right.
4: Well, you, well, you still have eight seconds. Yeah, I'll yeah. give it to Dave <laughs> if you want to finish something <laughs> up. <laughs> oh, thanks. All right,
2: Greg, you get some bonus time?
4: Uh, yeah, to that point, Ben, I wouldn't be surprised if they did an about-face year or two down the road and said, oh, well, you know, we're going to bring them back because people started buying them again. Um, another journalist friend of mine had a pretty good article about it and – was commenting that so many people are enthusiasts are upset that they're doing away with it, but like we're to blame because we're not buying, we're just not buying them. Yeah. They're, they're good cars. They're just fine. But if you're going to complain, go out and buy a new sedan and then Playing with your wallet. Right. I mean, you're yeah. the, we're the ones not buying the sedan. So that's why it's happening. We
1: are. We're just buying civics and GTIs. And yeah. Stuff. Right. And
3: I was going to go – I was going to make the same point Greg did, that there's a certain amount of, like, hypocrisy among auto journalists. We all talk about how amazing the Fusion Sport was, how many of us bought one, you
0: know. How many, how many journalists buy cars, period, Joe? Well, Good right. You know, we. I think the, <laughs> the way of enthusiasts and
4: a just all, anybody who – there's a lot of people who – sorry to jump in on nah, you. You got 12 seconds. There's a lot of people who aren't journalists or enthusiasts who are complaining about it, at least from what I see on social media. Um. Who just don't – who own crossovers. But every, don't everybody has Savannah. an
3: excuse. Everybody has, oh, I've got a dog or I've got – yeah, I like to go camping once That's a excuse. year. It's or- a reason.
4: Well... Like John, like Dave said, I mean, it's a business decision. People aren't buying them. Buy so. the car you want. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: It'd be cool to see these cars go overseas because they'll probably be built up to performance specs for Europe and stuff like that. And today? there'll be slowly cars that will desire to get back over here again that we don't have. Like, there'll be some kind of Taurus we'll RS or something like that. It's, it's cyclical. Cool. Cool.
3: Well, Do yeah. you think what will happen with, like... Uh, Small trucks will happen where when there's a vacuum in the market, then suddenly everybody will be like, "Oh, wait, we need to fill it like with the Chevy Colorado and those stuff." People will be like, "Wait, there's a vacuum now. We need to come out with a new model." You know, so I don't know if we'll see see that, but
2: we'll talk about that in another podcast. <laughs> the cross
3: unders and the crossover.
2: Viewer uh, question from Derek via email asks, "What happens to the vehicles after MotorWeek road tests or long term
4: tests them?"
0: It it should be hey, no question or, there. the Person
4: comes <laughs> and takes them away from us. Yeah. <laughs> the tooth <laughs> fairy—they disappear. Yeah. Well, they pre-production have. ones it's don't they get it's a crushed. Sedan.
0: Some of the pre-production models get crushed. They get uh, crash-tested. The t- production car we get sold as um, executive demos sometimes down the road. The John has bought one. Test mules. I bought. Yeah. I bought one. Mm-hmm. One of our Mitsubishi Galant we had. I bought. Wow. My first car I bought was a Galant uh, GSX. That was a test car.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Didn't nice. you get a suburban too?
0: i uh, not a Tesco.
3: Yeah. Uh, and we should make Der- – Derek, we wanted to tell you also, we're not the only people who drive these
0: cars. I mean, they do the rounds a lot of the times to so – They get about 12,000 miles put on them from various journalists, and they're pulled out of the fleet at that time. Hard miles. Hard miles. Mm-hmm. Depends yeah. upon the car. I mean, people aren't ragging out the – I guess they are. The much Kia a- Niro. <laughs> but
3: the, I know the Kia Niro that's our long-term car was – Well, we think. I suppose you could check the VIN, but we think it was the same car we tested for our road test, and then it did a round, and then came back to us as
1: a long termer. We finish off its service in the fleet. I've heard they could also end up back at the manufacturer as test mule bodies to drop. Uh, experimental yeah. engines and stuff like that, and or you could see like testing. what stuff broke on the cars, and you know they could do research and be like, oh, well, we didn't
3: expect this part to wear out so soon.
0: I know the uh, the Porsche 918 Spyder we tested in Georgia, the blue one you and I drove, mm-hmm. is now the Peterson Museum on display. Is that right? Well, is there still a picture it. of
2: you next to it?
0: Not no, there should be. be. Ah, should, be right? should be. Yeah. Should <laughs> be. Porsche still has the car. It's a prototype. I want to go sign <laughs> it. Come on. Yeah. I've asked to borrow back again for a couple of weeks this summer. Like, Hmm. I should put a little plaque. This car was driven, hmm. by, Dave driven by, by Dave Scrivener. Driven by
3: Dave
2: Of Greg mm-hmm.
0: Well, Derek, there's
2: your answer. Uh, hopefully you weren't looking for uh, that we give them away to uh, <laughs> listeners of our podcast, because <laughs> yeah. unfortunately that's not the case. You
4: can't even get a T-shirt around here, pal. Good try, D.
2: Any, uh, anyone have a rant or a rave?
4: I've got a rave. All right. All cars are now have to come standard with backup cameras I believe so which is a huge deal to me I mean I don't see any downfall of having a backup camera this is a long time this coming a reference. They've gotten very good you have so many 360 degree camera systems now I mean it's just something that having driven them for the last 5 6 years it's just you got to have it especially yeah. when you're in a parking lot Amen
0: I'm planning on the gossiping about
1: retrofitting your old car to backup camera as well, uh, using John's
0: s Yeah, you did one too, didn't you? <laughs>
4: yeah, the,
1: when I did it, the tech was not quite there. It was more annoying than anything else, but hmm. I'm curious to see where it is now. Yeah, it's probably cheaper and easier than ever before. You everyone. don't have Afford the guidelines it. that bend and right, stuff. I love those. And, yeah. It's kind of weird. It's like the getting la- your eyes dilated.
3: The last car I drove that didn't have a backup camera was that Mazda Miata we have in right now. It must have been Struck like the last, last one
1: to squeak in under the, the yeah. regulation.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's a Miata, so it's not that hard to like park and like, see. turn your head a quarter away. Right, right. but it, it
1: still felt like a big chore for me when <laughs> I
3: noticed that. Oh, yeah. You're oh, like, really? oh, really? I a come on. Yeah, really?
2: So. All right. That was a good rave, Greg. Thank you. I liked it. It's good to know that you're not know, always I'll be back with a rant. And, uh. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we'll close it with that. I'd like to thank our uh, audio engineer, Jim Bigwood, podcast creator, Bob Mixter, and, of course, producer, Joe Lago, and all the hardworking MotorWeek staff that bring you the show every week. Be sure to uh, tune in on TV as well as keep up to date with everything online. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive
0: magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, WeatherTech, Hum by Verizon, RockAuto.com, State Farm, and Autotempest.com. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch MotorWeek television's longest-running automotive magazine series each week on your local PBS station.